good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you are. This is Harrison Smith back with another episode of Cinema. I'm really excited about this week's episode because we have some uh, fantastic filmmakers that I just did an interview with, uh, David and Jenny Simpson, and uh, they just completed their feature film, a thriller called Dangerous to Know, and you can read more about it in the show notes, uh, look at the trailer, etc. It's just fantastic. And uh, when I started cinema, the number one thing uh, that I wanted to get across was not when I did do interviews, I, I didn't want to interview celebrities and I, I didn't want to interview even well-established filmmakers. I mean, and, and that's great if, if I can, I guess, somewhere along the line, but I really wanted to open up this podcast to to people that don't usually get a forum. They They don't get that attention that they so sometimes really need to either get the attention out there on a project uh, or, or just talk about what they've done. Their film doesn't even necessarily have to be picked up for distribution. It didn't have to do well financially. Uh, simply the, the thing about cinema is, is the fighting of cynicism. And for somebody that's out there that made a film, whether it's great or it's bad, it doesn't matter. You did it. That is the whole point. It's not about cynical talking and, well, one day I'm going to do this and if I had the money, I would do that. John Carpenter had once said, you grab a camera and you go out and you shoot. And that's what these people did. They just didn't grab any camera. I mean, when you see the quality of this, when you look at their trailer, it's just incredible. Uh, They funded uh, most of their money pretty much from Kickstarter and they had a very successful campaign that garnered the interest and the support from Dr. Sleep and uh, The Haunting of Hill House's Mike Flanagan. So the they have a lot of interesting things to say about that in this interview too. So my point in this introduction is more than to just give an attaboy to, to David and Jenny Simpson, but it's also a call out there to any filmmaker, whether you're an actor, screenwriter, director, producer, gaffer, it doesn't matter. If you are listening to this right now and going, how do I do this? How do I get out there? How do I complete a film? Because the completion of an independent film or any film is really truly akin to a minor miracle. And you may think because you move up the ranks and go up to the studio end that it gets easier. It does nothing but get harder. Now I've talked about crowdfunding on here before and and, and the hustle and, and everything that it takes. And right now these two filmmakers, they're a husband and wife team, Uh, They filmed a 3,000 plus shot feature film entirely by themselves and they went down to their final 48 hours on Kickstarter and they did it. They raised the funds. Dangerous to Know is a cerebral psychological thriller and and it's completely finished and that means including post-production. And their Kickstarter was was all about getting the funds they needed to, to get the movie rated and help with early distribution and, and film uh, festival submission fees, all of that. They did their Kickstarter to get the film over the finish line. And I am happy to report they did it. So if you're waking up this morning or like I said, wherever in the world you are, grab a hot beverage, an alcoholic beverage, whatever suits your fancy. And please listen to this fantastic interview with David and Jenny Simpson about their film, Dangerous to Know. I'm David Simpson, and uh, I just directed my first feature film. It's called Dangerous to Know. It's a psychological thriller. It's a dark one, though. There, there's definitely some horror elements in it. Uh, we just did a Kickstarter for 42 days. Uh, it ended 
earlier um, I, uh, earlier last week, uh, and yeah, we we made it. Uh, and for the most part, it seems that we we made it on two things. One was that uh, the movie looked pretty good, and we showed some. We had a long trailer and uh, also eight extended clips on it, which is a lot more than you'd normally find. And then the other one was just uh, my background is uh, that of a, a, I'm a novelist. So I, I already had a, a tribe that knows me as a, a storyteller and uh, and they supported in just just a crazy way. I, it's incredible the... The average contribution uh, the, to our pledges was way higher than you normally see, but uh, they, uh, yeah, they they believe in me. So, uh, so it turned out to be a, a pretty good story. Well, let's stop there for a moment and talk about Kickstarter and crowdfunding in general. So, what made you uh, choose this type of platform? And can you tell uh, any filmmakers that are out there that are considering crowdfunding? What are the benefits? What are the pitfalls? Uh, anything to look out for here? Does the amount that you're trying to raise affect, you know, donation uh, contributions? Uh, all of that. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot. I, I learned a lot from from this experience for sure. It didn't happen the way I expected it to. Uh, so I, you're absolutely right that I had uh, a tribe to start out with. Uh, it was difficult to contact my tribe because I I built that through uh, Facebook um, prior to 2015, most of it. And it's a, it's a lot harder to, to reach those, those people. And I wish I'd, I'd built it on a different platform. Uh, but it, if you've got a tribe, uh, if you've got some sort of following, that's huge. That'll really help. Uh, if you don't, uh, you really, really have to think about um, how much you think you're, you're going to be able to raise. Uh, sometimes people may not uh, have a big following, but if you have a, a, to answer another one of your questions, if you have a, a smaller ask uh, for, for how much you're trying to get to get you started, um, you, may, you may have a better shot at uh, getting it. Uh, and that, that little green bar being 50% or 75% of the way uh, filled really does help you if you get some media. Um, I, I felt like media was helpful. It wasn't as big a factor as I thought it was going to be because mm -hmm. we had some pretty big media. Yeah, we got Dress Central. Yeah, mm -hmm. and we got uh, Mike Flanagan backing us in the in the first at mm -hmm. the end of the first week. Uh, so we we thought when that happened that that would just be, you know, boom, there you go, we got it, because uh, he's such a he's such a big name. Uh, and, and also the fact that he circled back and upped his donation and, and we got more media from it, but, uh, that didn't really lead to too much. So, uh, yeah, what I, what I would say is that a lot of it probably comes from trust. If you've already built trust, uh, amongst, uh, some sort of following, then you're going to have an easier time and you, then your ask can be a bit more, but, uh, I don't, if, if you're brand new and uh, no one knows who you are, uh, you're going to have to think about that and you'll have to think about um, what other things might attract some some funding to you. So if somehow you have a connection with a, an actor that you know they've got a following, uh, there's, a, there's a chance that that, that could help you. Uh, but I wouldn't count on it. Um, you should definitely test that out first in, in some way. Um, 
because uh, we thought that you know our, a lot of our actors were in their their early twenties when we filmed. Uh, they had bigger social media followings than we did, uh, but that's not what was coming through. It was definitely uh, the people that supported my books in the past. Uh, so, sure. Let's yeah. let's stop there for a second. So to clarify, you got Mike Flanagan of Doctor Sleep and Haunting of Hill House, yeah, to get involved and support you. Come in, uh, you know, you you thought you had it made in the shade. And the reason why I'm stressing this is because I've heard this a number of times from people that are raising funds. They think because a celebrity came on board and either mm. endorsed or made a donation, uh, something like that. Like you just said, they thought they had it made. So Mike comes on, does all of this. Uh, what do you? What was your reaction when when it didn't take off the way that you had hoped? And and really, what I mean, you said you thought you had it made in the shade. Give me an, a, a reason why you thought that. And uh, you know, to anybody again listening out there, going, "Wow, they had Mike Flanagan." What <laughs> happened? And may yeah. I ask also, can you divulge? I mean, it's on um, you know your crowdfunder, but what was your ask? What were the total funds you were looking for? Uh, okay, so we're we're Canadian, uh, so we were aiming for about we were thinking U.S. funds because that's where most of my following is from, and so, but we have to run it in Canadian, so the numbers are a little wonky, but approximately uh, what we were looking for was thirty-five thousand U.S., uh, and I think that translated to forty-six something yes. Canadian. Uh, so what we ended up getting was fifty-four. Uh, something thousand Canadian and uh, and that translated to I think around 41 or 42 uh, US uh, so we so we beat our ask which is great um, but it was a nail-biter and it wasn't until the last four days that that it really turned around uh, the the Flanagan thing I mean the the initial reaction was it, it was just amazing uh and he man he's a great guy and talking about paying it forward that was exactly what he said in his uh email to us so it was a beautiful email mm -hmm. uh that was a guy that really inspired us because he had done a kickstarter for absentia and uh and he'd managed to make it too uh and it's a it turns out very similar circumstance so that was all great that was really cool um, but I even though he tweeted about us two different times, the first time he supported us, and then when he circled back and uh, he upped his pledge by tenfold, uh, and there were a lot of likes on it, mm -hmm. it, <laughs> it wasn't translating to people coming over and checking out the, uh, the Kickstarter at all. Um, so the, the amount of people that you, you have to somehow reach is really, really high. So even if you're reaching thousands and thousands of people, you really need to be reaching like not even I mean you got to be in the high tens of thousands I mm -hmm. think uh, to get the kinds of contributions that you'll need to get uh, organically I mean I'm sure if the rock <laughs> and his 50 million Instagram followers uh, backs you it's a different story but even even Mike Flanagan's reach wasn't wasn't enough so it's not necessarily something that would uh, save you Anytime somebody, of course, you know, pledges money and actually does what you want them to do, it's called an actionable event. And, you know, for somebody, to, it, I, I've always seen where people do giveaways, they do all these incredible things, and people don't want to click. Like, mm -hmm. if, if there are too many links to click, if there's too much, they don't want to deal with it. Or, 
one of my favorites has always been that I've seen is somebody says, yeah, if I get to it. Well, what do you mean if you get to it? The link is right there. Like, click the link. <laughs> like, what are you talking about if you get to it? You're sitting right there. Click the link and look at the information. Now, Mike uh, endorsed my podcast. He has endorsed cinema and he's a subscriber. That's awesome. So, um, That's he awesome. was thrilled with uh, a piece that I did on uh Dr. Sleep, in which it wasn't really a review of the film, but more of how, as a filmmaker, he totally reversed the cynicism of the original film of, of The Shining. And mm. somehow he caught on to that. Now, just to, to relate, Mike came on and, and he endorsed it on Twitter and, and everything like that. Well, I didn't see a huge jump in subscribership. <laughs> so <laughs> it's almost the same thing. Yeah, it's very, very similar. It's basically the same experience. So, so you've you feel it too. It's a, it's surprising to yes. think it would do it, but, and I think that people, you know, they re react directly to him, uh, like on Twitter, he probably got a lot of likes, but then at the same time, yeah, that extra step, uh, I'll, I'm sure a lot of people think, yeah, I'll get to it. And I think that that has something to do with, uh, the whole way Kickstarter does their thing with, uh, that pressure, that all or nothing, uh, you know, what we discovered, but we didn't know because people just don't don't tell you these things is that uh, a lot of the people that have backed us early on, like on the first day that were some of our best supporters and we had no right to think that they were going to up their pledges at all. They really took us by surprise uh, near the end. So we started to get those associate producer mm -hmm. um, uh, packages started to go. So those were good. But the but also some people that had already pledged a lot had been planning all along to, you know, wait to the end. And I, I think some of them were planning, uh, you know, the last hours, actually, but uh, saw <laughs> saw what uh, not getting any sleep and what the stress was doing for me and just decided to show me some mercy uh, a few days before. And uh, and so I there was a time, I mean, I wasn't saying it publicly, but four days out with, you know, 48 or 49 percent toward our goal, it looked like we weren't going to make it. Um, and then we ended up 117 percent. So uh yeah it was um it, it it's uh it's one of those things where you're right it's like i'll get to it uh and then at the end all of a sudden when they know they're going to run out of time they they may come through for you but uh i think it's a psychological thing too i mean i think if we hadn't been uh at least to 70 77 percent i think we got to mm -hmm. on that fourth day um if we hadn't had that bump i'm not sure we would have made it uh so you really do have to be lucky I think uh, the actual number for a feature film on Kickstarter is, is like 21% of them get funded. Mm. Uh, and most of those have had something where Kickstarters actually picked them up for a special feature. Uh, Mike's movie didn't get one and our movie didn't either. So that makes us even more rare. I have no idea what the percentage is there. But uh, but yeah, I, it's not for the faint-hearted for sure. It definitely isn't. I wouldn't stake everything on it if you have a choice. Did you kickstart the entire budget or is this a portion of the budget? Did you have other equity? Uh, are you taking advantage of any type of uh, soft money in the way of, of tax credits? Uh, it, I know the Canadian government also will will do some. I'm not familiar all with Canadian finance law up there with with film. But from what I understand, they, they may kick things in um, was what in other words, to keep it simple, was Kickstarter the source of your entire budget? Was this an amalgamation of, of other finance sources? And, and if so, how does that translate for any investors that may be involved? I, I did uh, everything myself uh, and n nobody else has really put any money into the movie. 
but once we, because the movie is completed, we, we finished it. Um, this was uh, about distribution. So because I put everything into it, <laughs> Uh, and, and I really did, including time. And the same with uh, Jenny. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we, we put everything into it. Um, that other job, being a novelist, uh, th- th- there wasn't enough time for it. So I've got a couple of novels that uh, are really close to ready, but they weren't ready. Um, and I was in a position where we've got this full feature film, but even having the funds for something like uh, getting it rated in all of the the different uh, the different regions that I need to get it rated in, or converting it to get the DCP packages that I need to start showing it in some uh, in in some theaters to some audiences, and also uh, and, and you know cans uh, entrance mm-hmm. fees to these festivals, uh, there was just nothing left over at all. Uh, so that's what the Kickstarter was really about, rather than you know raising the budget. Um, but uh, and so the we have these producer and associate producer and executive producer credits, but nobody's actually got equity in the movie. So uh, so it's it's just me, uh, and the, and we raised um, most of the funds with uh, you know people are getting advanced copies of of my books, or they're going to get a digital copy of the of the movie once the digital release happens uh there's gonna be an audiobook of of dangerous to know as well and then there's the soundtrack but there was also uh this i think the associate producer package became popular because people that wanted that imdb credit um they just wanted because that was one of the things is that they would get included uh, not just in our our end credits but they'd also be on our imdb page uh, they really liked that, and I think it's the the prestige, really. I did a previous cinema podcast on crowdfunding, mm-hmm. and so I have some questions for you in this respect, and these are all pretty much hypothetical. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the pitfalls I've seen, and, and I am not aware of, of it happening as of yet, but it seems like something that is just a, a bomb waiting to go off, and that is uh, the, the doling out of a producer or associate producer titles and that is all, it all sounds great as long as that person is sane. Um, what happens if you, I mean, have you thought of this? Did this cross either of your minds? What if you end up issuing a producer title or even an associate producer title to someone who comes back and says, well, you know, I want to see a rough cut. I, I want to see what you're doing. I'm a producer. I want creative input over the project. And if you don't, I'm going to sue you. We're it's it's pretty clear uh, with Kickstarter that uh, I mean literally the people that um, get any package uh, like I I actually don't need to do anything uh, even though we were successfully funded um, but I'm going to do the things obviously that I said I was going to do uh, you know get everybody their packages and do everything that I said I was going to do. Um, and so anybody's, uh, who, who got any of those packages, the, the producer, associate producer packages, they'll get their name on IMDB and, um, and, uh, and yeah, I'm not, I'm personally not really worried about it. Although I understand what you're saying because <laughs> you just, it's by the, you know, just the, the law of large numbers. Um, and, uh, we, we should be okay. Uh, and we should be okay with, uh, liability, but, um, but it is something for young filmmakers, I think, especially, and, and that's really, 
I guess what this podcast is about is, um, you know, there may be some some people listening to us uh, that are, um, you know, very um, optimistic and and wide eyed and bushy tailed that are, uh, you know, maybe even teenagers or in their early twenties and um, and they do need to make sure that they look into those sorts of things before they they imitate us uh, on Kickstarter. Uh, make sure that they know what they're doing, and um, and whenever you've got a, a film, you want to make sure that you've got um, a limited liability for sure. Uh, any celebrity talent attached? What was your uh, vision for the creation of this and, and distribution for it? And what what is your target audience, and how do you hope to sell it? Uh, because the fact that I, I do have a partner in Los Angeles who told me, and he is extremely cynical, who said that the film industry is over and that names don't matter. And uh, basically, if you go out and you make a movie with no names in it, forget any type of theatrical release and you'll be lucky to get a basic streaming deal. So what were your thoughts on that? Where is your film heading? What, what is your vision? And most of all, your pie in the sky dream and you know your mid-tier dream and, and worst case scenario. Let, let's hear about that a little bit because people out there, there are filmmakers out there who think they're going to take you know, their $100,000 film and it's going to make $400 million like a paranormal activity. Um, tell us your experience, your thoughts and and your vision of, of where things are going. The movie's uh, finished, which is incredible. Uh, and we've just barely been able to have any time to enjoy that. Uh, when we finished the, the movie, we immediately uh cut a trailer together because we knew we were going to do the Kickstarter and then we immediately did the Kickstarter and then the Kickstarter just ended last uh, Tuesday in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we have, um, we've got some, some great guidance now uh, from uh, somebody at, at uh, one of the co-founders of uh, one of the major festivals, which is, which is really good. Um, and we'll see w- what happens with that. Uh, she's actually the first person that is going to see a, a screener copy of it because we haven't even shown anybody the movie yet, a- unless they were here in our in our place and <laughs> and we could control the environment, but we hadn't let it out yet. Um, and we've got some other connections too, um, and uh, and we'll see how those uh, work out. Uh, we wanted to screen it in front of an audience first, though, and. Um, and so the fact that I'm even letting somebody see it is, uh, a deviation from the plan, but it's because of, uh, she's such a unique person and, and we really trust her because of what her motivations are, uh, helping young filmmakers. Um, and because of the, the introduction that we have, we know, we know everybody that's involved. Um, but as far as anything else, I mean, you're absolutely right. Or your, I should say your friend that's connected, uh, uh, you know, we don't have, and there's, there really wasn't any way we could have had someone who was um, uh, a name in Hollywood. I think Bridget Graham was probably our biggest uh, person because she, you know, she'd been in Pixels and Manhattan Undying, but uh, she hadn't had a, a lead role, uh, and and that was that's about it. Mm-hmm. We we don't really have anyone. Everyone else has appeared in things, but it's it's you know very small, few lines. Um, but they're but they're good and the and so for me the the main thing the fundamentals were uh, making a great movie and so I've got a, a pedigree as a writer um, and so we knew we could 
have the story. That was the first thing. And then we built out from there. Uh, and uh, the technology, okay, so I know that because my, um, my books were science fiction. So uh, AI and digital technology, I've got a TEDx about those sorts of things. So I'm known in that world too. Uh, so I knew that I could make something, I could take those tools and I could make something pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good. Um, and we feel really good about it. We think it is really good, but I also feel like it needs to go in front of an audience. Like that's, that's really important and that the audience is the key. Uh, once we've got audience reaction that, uh, everything else goes out the window because, uh, when, when you can see that audiences are really responding, then you've got a chance. Um, so, so we'll see what happens. Uh, so the next pie in the sky though, again, you're right. I mean, I guess there's been two so far making the movie was pie in the sky, but we managed to pull it off. Then the Kickstarter pie in the sky managed to pull it off. So that's good too. Um, next one is distribution and we've got a few things that could work. Um, and then, and then we'll see uh, the pie in the sky though. Definitely. My goal is still, uh, to get, um, some sort of release, we have talked to some people at um, at a major distributor and studio about how that could be possible, uh, and we'll see. Uh, and then next would be, you know, Netflix would be a beautiful thing uh, to to be able to accomplish. I'd really like to get into one of the major festivals as well. Cannes is mm-hmm. a big one. Uh, that's the next one that we're gonna we're gonna give it a shot and see what we can do. Uh, but we'll try some other ones as well. Right now, especially after the Kickstarter succeeding, I, I feel excited about the future but the future is still very very uncertain have you ever considered self-distribution if nobody picks the film up and for those you've screened it presently too what has been their reaction and uh you know your thoughts there especially if if the worst case scenario comes and that is the doomsdayer that says you you took all this money you did this even though you made a great film nobody's picking it up what are you folks thinking I can't wait to show it in a theater. I haven't been able to do that yet. Uh, that's the that's the actually the very next thing on our list here that we've been working on, and we should be able to show it uh, locally. I'm in Vancouver. We should be able to show it locally um, within the next thirty days for the first time. That'll be great. But when we have shown it to people, um, it's been uh, individuals, and uh, and it's been here. We've got. Um, uh, like a home theater so we can uh, show off our surround sound that we worked on for a year uh, and a fairly fairly big screen and uh, and so they get a pretty good experience actually and it, it's been it's just a wonderful thing it's a beautiful thing because mm-hmm. we've worked on it for so hard it's been three and a half years of this uh, and it's there's one thing you know when you write something on the page and you think oh, that's going to be great that's so great and then you go through the the process of actually filming it. And it, I mean, so many things can, can go wrong uh, and it can be so different than what you expected. Uh, and then all this time later, after you've gone through, cause you know, Jenny and I did everything. Uh, so, I mean, we did the sound, uh, I did the music, Jenny did the color grading, mm-hmm. I did the editing. Uh, we both filmed it. We're the camera people. Um, and so when, when you've, gone through all of those processes uh, and sifted through all the outtakes and everything, uh, and you put something together, you lose a little bit of that um, objective distance and the ability to just suspend disbelief. Mm-hmm. So when when you actually see somebody 
cry, which we've seen a couple times now, which it's just, it's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> like you feel a little bit bad, you're making someone cry, but at the same time, you know, it's because they're so emotionally invested. Uh, or um, I've actually now witnessed someone jump out of their seat, which is I've never seen before. So that was awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, and also just literally gripping the seat too. It's it's really, really cool. So the, the reaction's been fantastic. The the movie works with something called the Zigernik effect. So just really briefly, I mean, it's not really important that people know that, but it's, it's just something where, uh, same thing with Netflix uh, shows that people binge watch, works the same way. Something uh, teases you into the next uh, mystery and it resets your attention span and it just keeps you really, really focused mm-hmm. and it, it sort of brings you into a time warp. And, uh, and this movie works like that. So even though it's a movie, it sort of feels like binge watching and, it, yeah. and it, uh, it makes it zip by really quickly. It's possible that we're going to have to do some sort of self-distribution. Uh, um, but we haven't, we haven't talked about it that much yet. It's, mm-hmm. it's something that we're willing to do for sure. But, um, at the same time, it, we've got a lot of opportunities that we haven't really fully explored yet. In, in addition to, okay, you know, finding the money and, and doing all that you've done, can you please give a little background to, to people listening, especially those indie filmmakers that, that another thing that I hear all the time is, is where the hell do I start? Aside from the script, you have a script. Mm-hmm. Who who was your DP? How did you assemble a crew? Uh, what did you do to to keep that crew together? How did you feed your crew? Uh, what were some of the pitfalls there? How did you overcome them? And uh, you know you you made it. You did the minor miracle, folks. You you made a movie. I mean, a lot of people start them and they never finish them. You did it. So the, uh, my background. Uh, is uh, as a writer and it was science fiction. Now my science fiction isn't, you know, aliens and other planets, nothing wrong with that stuff, but mine happens to be uh, speculative. So it's really grounded in reality, but we go forward uh, and I'm interested in things like artificial intelligence and um, and the, the, the exponential uh, increase, the shortening of the time span between now and, and strong artificial intelligence, so beyond human level. Uh, And because of all of that research, uh, one of the things that I know, uh, not just Moore's law, but just the, this thing called the law of accelerating returns means that uh, digital, anything that's information technology, so our computers, our phones, I mean, anybody can, can uh, see this now with their own eyes, Uh, the the way that the tech is uh, getting better and better uh, the cameras on their phones are getting better and better. I mean, you don't even have to really be a filmmaker. I was trying to make a, a short science fiction proof of concept. Uh, and I, I wanted to work with a production company here locally. Uh, and that was my, my first time doing anything in, in film. And, uh, and what I started to see was uh, that there just was a, a, a misunderstanding in, of, of what their tech could actually do. Uh, and that things hadn't um, shifted yet away from the traditions that had come from film and the hundred years of film being the dominant medium. Uh, and so when I saw that, I knew, okay, so there's like a, an opportunity here to get a really a really big bang for my buck. Uh, and so we made the post-human short. I ended up not working with that production crew. 
and uh, it was uh, me and Jenny again and, mm-hmm. and just one camera assistant, an NYU film student <laughs> who's from, from Vancouver, and uh, he was there with us that summer. And, uh, and so we, we filmed it. Uh, it did really well. It got, uh, I guess, like a million views on Vimeo. Mm-hmm. Um, that led to some Filmmaker Magazine was one of the media that uh, covered it, and then that led to Management 360 uh, contacting me and asking for scripts for... Uh, the first couple of features, but what I learned was that uh, it was it was still, even though I'd made it that far, going to take a miracle um, or near a miracle to uh, get those uh, science fiction books that would really require a big budget to do them properly um, to get them made. Uh, and so, again, reverse engineering, I'm thinking. Well, most of the cost of the short was the VFX, uh, and that if we were to take that out of it, to take um, you know costumes and locations that had to look futuristic and all of that sort of thing, uh, if we were to take those things out of it, and if I were to create a story and ground it in reality, which is why we went for a psychological thriller and not a period piece, um, and the the influences here are are, are David Fincher and and Quentin Tarantino. Uh, that if we did something like that, that we could create a movie using this tech, um, and uh, and my understanding of it, and Jenny's understanding of it, and that there there wouldn't be a trade off. Uh, it would require a ton of time, though, uh, <laughs> which it did, uh, and a lot of suffering, but it was possible. And uh, and so that's that's what we did. So I'm I'm the DP, uh, and uh, and Jenny and I are. Uh, the only two people that operated a, a camera. Um, Jenny did uh, all of the color grading, and there's over 3,000 shots in the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, the sound is something we did together. Mm-hmm. We had to become, uh, or at least we did the course to become accredited sound designers um, with uh, DaVinci Resolve and Fairlight. But we literally just did that course uh, and, and learned to do it as pros. And then, and yeah, and then we put the sound together. Um, and the cameras, that was a lot of research. Uh, we, we picked the cameras that were right for us at the mm-hmm. time. We were lucky that uh, digital uh, singlet stabilizers had just appeared on the market uh, like that year. And they weren't very good, but they were affordable. But they improved rapidly. And um, yeah, and then we we could actually make the, the full movie. Uh, it was just like making that short film. But it was like doing it day after day after day after day. It was exhausting. It was exhausting, yeah. And every time we would finish uh, a six or seven minute long sequence, and I'm not just talking about filming it. I mean, it's edited. Uh, we got the music and we got the sound and we'd watch it. And you'd think, wow, that's a really good short film <laughs> that no one's, no one's going to see until we finish all these other short films that we still have to do. Um, but eventually we were able to get there. And... Yeah, we did everything. We did the location scouting. Uh, we we paid for the place. Uh, I literally got up in the morning and cooked for everybody. Uh, the actors would chip in sometimes for and hold boom boom mics <laughs> and uh, anything like that that we really needed. Uh, and uh, yeah, we just managed to get it done. But there, but it, it could be done better uh, with a little a little bit more help for yes. sure oh, that'd be nice. yeah and the it's not that we were we poo-pooed the idea of help it was um it was just convincing people that that much time and energy was worth it uh for people who had never made a movie before it wasn't something uh we were successful at um but uh but now we're not gonna have a problem uh we're, we already have lots of offers for help on the next one and yet look at what you just said 
I mean, you're, you're holding, you're, you're doing cameras, you're holding boom mics, you're, you're mm. running around basically doing everything. But the, the important thing out of this is you did it and you did not just talk about it and, and convincing people of your passion is so important to get people on board. You're, you're not just selling the dream, you're, you're getting people to, to share in that dream with you. So, you know, absolutely hats off to both of you for, for doing this, because again, what you've accomplished is a minor miracle. <laughs> it is it is a minor miracle it's possible to do it's just it it really is difficult but it's getting it's getting easier but it's it's not easy yet the tech definitely has gotten better so the results of someone who were to tr who's going to start this this year rather than in 2016 when we started this uh process uh could be better um, but it w still wouldn't be easy. It's a really tough thing to do. So, uh, you know, I guess people need to know what they're getting themselves into. But at the same time, I don't want to discourage people either because it it actually it, it is possible. And, and even if they try the, the same method on a, a short film, like a script that they've got that maybe is, you know, it would just be something that's... Uh, seven to 15 minutes long uh, to prove to themselves that they could do it. Um, and, and then once they, and that's really in the end what I did, I guess, because I did the, the post-human short uh, and learned from that, that, okay, I can do this. Uh, it's just going to be, you know, crossing, instead of crossing this one bridge, it's going to be, and then cross another one, cross another one, cross another one. But, um, but you can eventually get there. You just have to keep stepping through the, through the night <laughs> And, uh, you know, eventually you'll get to your destination, even if you can't see it. You have just summed up everything that really is the essence of, of what independent filmmaking is and what I feel in some respects has been lost. Because you also have what you alluded to earlier is you have you have a new generation now that thinks, well, I have Adobe Premiere. I have Final Cut. This is easy. I can make a movie. <laughs> and no. That's not all. It's it's like somebody out there creating a blog. Well, I have WordPress and a computer. I'm a blogger. No, you're not. Just because you have a prosumer camera and editing software does not make you a filmmaker. It's it's yeah. more than just grabbing a camera and shooting something. And that's what you've just illustrated. If you're talking to somebody right now directly that says, I want to make a movie, what would you say to them? You have to have real passion and you find out if you really want to be a filmmaker, uh, if you're willing to uh, grab a camera and go make something. Uh, but that's that's really the only way to find out um, if you if you grab it and uh, and then you think Ugh, this is a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> I actually don't enjoy this. This sucks. Then, you know, I guess maybe uh, maybe it's time to let go of that that uh, I don't know if it's maybe people just enjoy talking about it more than they enjoy going out and actually trying. Uh, but but I actually love it. I love it. I love filmmaking. Um, I didn't think I was going to be a filmmaker, actually, only because I, I always wanted uh, the the novels that I did to become movies. And I always thought visually, but I thought that it was something that was inaccessible to me. And it certainly was a lot more inaccessible when you had to worry about buying really expensive film stock and, and going through things like what Christopher Nolan went through on following, where you, you know, you can only do two takes and, uh, and it's really the film stock that's the, that's the problem. 
you you can make your film look really incredible now uh and uh and and so it it is accessible it is possible to do there's a lot of things you have to solve lots of problems but uh you'll solve them what are your plans for when you get those reviews that trash your movie and give you a zero uh, and and this armchair critic who is probably sitting on a bus typing it on a phone is, uh, you know, ripping you guys in, in your production. What do you say to a filmmaker on that? I mean, you're a novelist. You've obviously received good and bad reviews. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, on armchair criticism these days? What a great question. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it's... I, I know exactly what you're talking about, and I've, I mean, we, we've already gotten a little bit of that just from the the, the clips that we've shown and the attention we got with uh, the No Film School articles. Uh, overwhelmingly positive, but you get those ones where uh, somebody is, you know, saying things that, I don't, it, I don't know, really strange, almost like they're trying to psych, psych me out or something, and... You know, honestly, I, I don't know how you feel about it, Harrison, but I just feel like like you're you're not going to psych me out. I didn't fake this. It's not baloney. Like I really did learn how to do all of these things from the ground up. Uh, I really, you know, I really do understand the camera tech better than most, and I really do understand the editing tech better than most. Uh, and I think I understand the art of it really well. I understand the art of the story really well. And uh, same with the music. I mean, it, Jenny's just an awesome color grader. We're confident enough that it. I just think we feel we feel a little bad if it's coming from someone who's doing it because they want to be a filmmaker and they're just you know lashing out. You, you feel a little bit bad for the person. But overall, I don't. I don't know. I don't really think about it mm -hmm. that much. So, uh, Dangerous to Know is the name of the, the movie, uh, and we just finished the, the Kickstarter for it, but uh, those, those, um, even when it's finished, those pages remain live, and it is still possible to write to me through there. Um, I also have a website, uh, posthumannovel.com, and there's a lot about Dangerous to Know there, uh, as well as the, the short film and, uh, and the books, too. Uh, Posthuman... Uh, media at gmail.com is uh, definitely a, a good place to uh, just email us directly. Uh, there's that that's a good place. And um, so uh, the movie is finished. And uh, and so if you want to keep up with the news, oh, also uh, my YouTube channel. Uh, so that's just the David Simpson YouTube channel. Uh, so we're getting more and more subscribers all the time. And I'm going to be now that I've actually finished the film. Uh, I'll be able to make uh, a lot more uh, little videos where one of the things I'm planning on doing besides just documenting this experience of getting distribution uh, is uh, going more into uh, how we made the movie, so the behind the scenes. So if uh, people want more details on uh, how we did it so that they can apply that to their own projects, uh, that's one of the things I want to do to actually pay it forward because uh, I really want... I, I think I have the same passion as, as you here, Harrison. It's like we want to make our own movies, but we don't see other filmmakers uh, getting access as a threat at all. Like we, we really want people to go out there and make movies because we want to see your movies. Well, this is fantastic, Dave and Jenny. Thank you so much for being on Cinema. Mm -hmm. We look forward not only to having you back, but giving updates on, on the progress of the film. 
And uh, I will be also posting for everybody listening, I will also be posting uh, links and, and necessary information in the show notes. So again, I want to thank you both for coming on and thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we really appreciate it, Harrison. Head on over to iTunes and give me a like and review. And if you want to read my cinema blog, you'll find it at horrorfuel.com forward slash author forward slash Harrison.